I want us to take a look at Philippians chapter 3 and we'll read from verse 4. I ought to read it, but because of t time, I probably would commit it to you. Please, when you get back, study it very carefully. In that, you see that the Apostle Paul presents a resume of his life. Somebody who was born into privilege, somebody who had it going for him. He calls himself a Hebrew of Hebrews, the tribe of Benjamin, the tribe that produced the first king of Israel, a Pharisee, a very good Pharisee, somebody who conformed to what society's expectations were at the time. And when he said that I went to the University of Cambridge, I was privileged to go to the University of Cambridge, the second only in my family to do so. My father was a justice of the Supreme Court, so it was by nature that I was going to be in the legal profession. And so he had it all mapped out for me. And I had the privilege of probably being the only person in the history of my country whose parents both were at the Supreme Court, so at the highest courts in the land. And so there was a, lot, a great deal of pressure. And at that time, when I got to Cambridge, it was expected that at the end of it, I would go back home. In fact, you know, the Chief Justice of the country at the time had told me, once you come back, you have a position waiting for you on the bench. Hebrew of Hebrews, isn't it? Conforming with the expectations of society. But that was not to be. At some point after my undergraduate study, my father fell ill with cancer. So I dropped out and became a full-time carer for my father for about nine months or so. And as is the typical refrain with people who get cancer, eventually he passed on. And when he passed on, I, who had lived a righteous life, gone to church, done everything that everybody wanted us to do, suddenly confronted God and said, if you knew what this man had in store for me, why did you take him? I no longer celebrated Christmas because he died two days before Christmas. We had the turkey in the freezer ready to carve it out on Christmas Day. And we told him, just hold on till Christmas. But when he passed on, I fell into a cycle of drink and drugs. I sort of slid away from life, so to speak. And though I managed to put myself together enough to be able to pass through law school back home in Nigeria with honors and began working in a prestigious law firm, I still lived a life that was hollow, a life of anger, a life that wasn't in accordance with the expectations of Christ. A life that I knew and I didn't really care about, but was a life that was just for me. I lived a selfish life. And so if you look at the Ten Commandments, which you doubtless know, I can tell you I broke all of them. And before you look at me and say, he's probably murdered somebody. I haven't murdered physically. But I hated people. I lived a life of hate and I wished them evil. And because I wished them evil, I'd murdered them in my heart. I had it all going for me, by the way. Good job. I set up a company, in, I was into gold mining, 
making a lot of money. But like Job, it all came crashing down in one day. I had a fire on site, equipment destroyed. The only excavator that I could call a movable asset which could be driven out of the fire suddenly sank in a swamp somewhere. And so in in the course of three days or so, I moved from being so on top of the world to somebody who was owing debts of over close to half a million dollars. And so I sank into drugs and despair. And it was at that point that the Lord reached out and as the psalmist said, dragged me out of many waters. Despairing, lost, I cried out and said, so if you're there, help me. I don't know if anybody has ever been in that situation whereby you get to the end of your rope and there are two ways. You hang yourself or you get on your knees and say, help me. And so all the pride, living a life of jet setting, traveling to many countries, having many parties, living footloose and fancy free, it all came down. And I love the story of Job because at that point he kneeled down and said, naked came I and naked I will return. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I want to speak to somebody today. If you're at the end of your rope, remember he was at the end of a cross. Go to him. He's always there for you. And in the period between July 2010 and August 2010, I embarked on a fast. And at the end of that fast, I got a clear direction of what I wanted to do. The Lord said, leave the city you're in. Leave the people you're in. Go to a new city. Start afresh. And then I started afresh. And I loved it because as Philippians 3 verse 7 says, but one thing, what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. And so I began to know Christ. And on January 9th, 2010, at 12, I fell on my knees once again in prayer, at a prayer meeting, and I saw angels descending. And from that day, I resolved to drop all of it all and face Christ. And from that day, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. And from that day, I began to press on. And pressing on, I bought a house. I cleared my debts. From pressing on, I was privileged to work with two chief justices of Nigeria. From pressing on, I began to draft policies that affected thousands of people. From pressing on, I began to evangelize in places where the terrorists were after our lives. From pressing on, I realized that there is a purpose to life. And if you go to Christ, Christ will come to you. Remember the prodigal son. He hadn't made it to the house when the father spotted him and ran to him and embraced him. 
And so I commit to you, verse 12 of Philippians 3, not as though I had already attained, either am I already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ. That is, I keep pressing on, knowing fully well that he is pressing on towards me. He has, given, he has won the crown for me. And so leaving everything behind, I press on for the higher mark of the calling in Christ. And what is that higher mark of the calling? Heaven. And who are the witnesses? Hebrews 12 tells us we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. If you look at the Hebrew, it connotes a multitude, inestimable multitude of those who have run ahead of you. You're in a marathon. Has anybody ever seen the London Marathon or any one of these major marathons? You're one person in the midst of many. Some have gotten to the end before you. Paul had run the race, and unto him was laid on a crown. And so when we read his words, we're encouraged by that. And I want to encourage each and every one of us, run. Keep pressing on. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what has happened to you. I'm encouraged by the story of King Manasseh, evil King Manasseh. And just last night, I realized in the book of Second Chronicles that even Manasseh, as bad as he was, turned to Christ and his mercy. He received that forgiveness. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, remember, he has won the crown. His arms are outstretched. He's waiting for you. And as you can see, I have a crown on my lapel. That is a crown I got from somebody who worked at the city of New Westminster. And I love the fact that it says, a royal city welcome. But the crown we're pressing on towards is greater than this crown. And the city we're going is a city that far exceeds the estimation of beauty that any one of us has ever seen. I have been to a lot of beautiful cities. Paris, Rome, all of them. But I know that nothing exceeds the beauty of where we're going. And so I encourage us all today, in closing, keep pressing on. You're here for a reason. You're seated in this auditorium. You've probably got a problem. You've probably got an issue that is holding you down. Keep pressing on. You've probably got some challenge or the other keep pressing on. You've probably got a difficulty. Keep pressing on. I learned through experience that the blessed assurance of what is ahead far exceeds the luster of what has gone behind. And so, in closing, I want to pray for each and every one of us that may you and all that you love achieve the higher calling in Christ Jesus. The master is there waiting with the trophy at the end of it all. And if I am in closing, I would take, tell you the story for one minute of a famous athlete called Linford Christie. 
who used to run for Great Britain, an excellent athlete. And I remember there was a major competition where he was fancy to win. And halfway through the race, he had a muscle pull. He had torn his hamstring. He didn't stop. He was last, but he hobbled all the way to the end. If you have to hobble, hobble to the end. But keep pressing on. And may the Lord be with you in the mighty name of Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your daughters and your sons. Those who are called by your name. For whom you have given a purpose under heaven. A purpose that they may be working out each and every day. You are the potter and we are the clay. I pray, O oh Lord, that you will keep on molding us, reminding us, encouraging us to keep on pressing on. There is only one race that is worth running, and that is the race to you. Father, help us not to deviate. Help us not to be caught up in this world. Help us to remember always that the joys of this world are but a pale shadow of the joys to come and that in pressing on we will get a reward i ask this through your mighty and matchless name amen amen and amen thank you all very much god bless you